Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the First Take Film Club podcast. Today we are taking hits from the bong as we tackle <laughs> two films from Oscar-winning director Bong Joon-ho. I've been looking forward to saying that for the past two weeks now. Uh, we were meant to tackle um, this particular podcast last week, but someone was ill, and by that someone I mean myself. Um, I can't even remember if I was, I don't know if it was a, a prolonged hangover or if I was actually ill. I've not felt right for the past week, actually. I felt a bit sicky. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that staff party killed us off. Yeah, me and Connor had it. Yeah, we were involved in a in a very, very fun but uh, boozy staff party. <laughs> I just remember you when you sent the message being like, I don't know if I'm hungover, I don't know if I'm sick, but I really hope I'm hungover. And we were all like, oh, we hope you're hungover. Yeah, <laughs> like, sick. That's the only time I've ever yeah. hoped someone's hungover <laughs> in my life. Yeah, I, was, I, I hate being sick as well, so it wasn't really fun. Anyway, moving away from sickness, today we are tackling, have I already said this? We're tackling two films from Bong Joon-ho. I'm going to say it again because it's massive. <laughs> I think it's massive. I think it's amazing because he's just won an Oscar two weeks ago uh, for Parasite. Uh, we actually won three or four Oscars. And today we're taking on two of his films, Snowpiercer and Parasite. Uh, today, as well, we are joined by Connor and Luke, as ever. How are you, boys? Luke, how are you? <laughs> I am very well. <laughs> that we did so not. Me and just Connor so were staring in each other's eyes to see who was going to speak first. And like a Western, we both pointed at each other to say. <laughs> yeah. we, we and then drew, Liam throws a spanner a little, in the mix and yeah, says, Luke, yeah. oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I'm all right, mate. Thanks. I am um, a bit tired. I feel a bit grog. I feel like I might be getting sick. Oh, man. And I, I can't even hope it's a hangover. <laughs> I um, mean, the coronavirus is spreading like wildfire. It, it, it might be it our turn. Like it, mate. it is. It um, might be first take's turn. It might be first take Corona Club. Yeah. Maybe, but we'll see what It's happens. just a cold, isn't it? It's yeah. just a cold. It's just a cold. It's just a cold. Okay. Well, if more it's just people, a cold, you two can get it and I'll be More right. people die from the flu than have died. Really? It's, yeah. It's total. Okay. Or something. There's a fact which makes coronavirus seem like small change, <laughs> but we'll, we'll move on change. from that. Connor, how are you, mate? I hope Connor, by the way, Connor, I hope you don't get the coronavirus because your poor little lungs won't be able to, they would they won't be able to cope. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm good. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm completely virus free. Corona free. But I'm <laughs> Until tomorrow when we go for a beer. Yeah. Honestly, I, I'm on this weird stint of just doing shift after shift and it's just, it's breaking me down little yeah. by Talk little. Talk to us, Connor. Come on. How are you, how are you coping with I, it? Is this a first take therapy for Yeah, first take therapy. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, at, at this point, I'm, af I'm past the halfway stage now. I've got, tonight is my last shift of seven or eight, I think, maybe seven. And I've got two days off in a row, which I've got plans for both days. One one day with my friend over here, Liam. Yeah. And I can't wait, honestly. Mm. That's that's my light at the end of the tunnel. It's your end game. That's my end game. your end game. And hopefully I don't get into non-existence. Yeah, you are sense. inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> days I, off are inevitable. I... <laughs> oh yeah, how are you? I'm, I'm, feeling, yeah. I'm feeling good. Are you so. feeling better than last um, week when you were hungover stroke sick? Yeah, I think so. I've been like, yeah, I, I think this hangover has like kind of, it went into like some sort of illness. Mm. It was like, you know, like a Venn diagram. There was like hangover, sickness, and then me in the middle. And then uh, every day of all of yeah. our lives in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I'm finally getting over it. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's um, good. I'm glad. And also I no longer, well, I have one more shift at um, my old place of work. Mm -hmm. Um the place where Connor is doing all of these lovely shifts. <laughs> uh, one more, one more on Friday, and then that's it. No more bar work for Liam until 
I find out I'm poor and I'm desperate for money and we'll have to go back to some sort of bar to get money because uh, I'm in a new job now and, yeah. you know, I don't get paid for a while. This is kind of like first date therapy club. It is first date therapy club. I I'm actually kind of here for this. We're all yeah. a bit skint at the minute as well. Oh my yeah. God, so, I'm so um, broke. I am broke. I, I keep thinking joke. like, why did I spend so much money at Christmas? Why did I do it? Christmas is quite a while ago as well. I the know. Fact yeah, that that's the one that's <laughs> like it, it, it's Come we're on, almost man. in March. You pal. may as well <laughs> just blame it on Easter, basically. <laughs> like, close to Easter than Christmas. You've yeah. got to think it's your birthday in what, like, just under two months. Yeah, I'm just be like, what do you want for your birthday? Just fucking money. Just get me out of my yeah. overdraft, money. please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get paid on Monday. And honest to God, I'm not even going to go mad. I'm just no, going to pay bills. Just going to sit there and be happy. Yeah, I'm just going to pay all my bills. I've paid off some some fine, not fine fines, mum. If you're listening, not fines. <laughs> Um, just some, <laughs> just some fees I had to some, pay. Some That's for the that <laughs> Some fees. Oh well, in that case, I've got a parking fee that I have to fucking pay, and I haven't paid it yet. So oh well, I got another parking fine. Did you? Yeah. Oh, did you? No, Outside our flat. It's a fee. Yeah. It's a fee. Oh yeah, it's not a fine. It's a fee. Yeah, it makes you say fine on the podcast. Yeah, that's what we're going to introduce. It's a that. fee. Yeah. Shall we move on to films? Let's move on to films. Um, usually we start with uh, a nice opening question. Sometimes it's a bit random. Huh. Don't worry, Connor, I'm not going to throw you off, yeah. <laughs> because today I can't be asked of thinking one, thinking of one, so I'm just going to ask you both, what have you been watching recently? Connor, I'll go to you first this uh, time. Okay, uh, are we talk? Okay, we'll talk films, because I've just told yeah, you about this. Yeah, because I've just asked you what films you've been watching this recently. This weird uh, YouTube Oh, no, actually, channel I asked I what Go on, tell us what... Okay, I'm going to tell you about it. Yeah. So, I've stumbled onto this weird YouTube channel, and it's this Japanese guy, and he prepares, like, traditional Japanese seafood dishes, mm. and it's, like, sashimi and... Like, there's a lot of, like, raw fish involved, and I don't really eat any is of that Is sashimi, shit. like, the long word for sushi? I think sashimi is just raw fish or just raw seafood, and it's cut really, like, thinly sliced. But I've got this weird thing where I really don't like crabs, mm. like the animals, not the STI. I don't think I'd like that either. No. Um, and I don't know. I think they're the only animal that really properly scares me. I don't know what it is. I remember watching The Blue Planet. Too. They are quite aggressive, you know, like on I'm a Celebrity when they're in the box. They're, they're always a one. Like the, the snakes, dick. the snakes are fine. Yeah. It's always the crabs, the yeah. yabbies. And they have, and they have these. I saw anyway. There was this crab, and its claw was like the size of a guy's forearm. Yeah. And he paid like what, thirteen million yen. I don't know what that translates to in in pounds. Especially fifty. Especially with Brexit as well. I don't know well. <laughs> anyway, I've been watching oh, yeah. all of that has, recently. Has that gone through since we've been? Oh no, that must have happened. Brexit. I honestly listen. Anyway, I've watched a lot of that stuff, and I've not really had time to watch movies, but I did watch a film called The Apartment. I don't know if you guys are onto it. Billy I Wilder know The film. And it's, it's like a film from 1960, and it's about a guy who's trying to get promotion in this office space. And to do that, he lets his boss have his apartment so he can conduct affairs. But his boss ends up having an affair with the woman he loves, and it puts this weird kind of love triangle relationship dilemma involved and it's amazing and it floored me and I love it to bits and apart from that weird Japanese sushi guy that's what I've been watching oh nice should I should I say what I've been watching happily I don't know if I've been watching very much um let's span back two weeks I think recently I haven't watched loads mm -hmm. I think I've just been I watched um SAS who dares wins <laughs> I watched honestly oh, my dad yeah. would love you that's oh, a, he oh. has books on that guy really oh, yeah. and, and, and Middleton and yeah. McPartland McPartland <laughs> god yeah he's changed his tune that's since Saturday night takeaway um and also, oh, I binge watched ten episodes of The OC last Saturday. I saw that. Fuck. Was mate. that a hangover situation? Or was um, it, uh, I was hungover. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was okay. hungover, but it was pre-planned. Oh, nice. We were supposed to watch films. Like my mate asked me supposed to watch films, and I got really excited and rang the other day before and was like, "Okay, so I've had an idea, and this could just be me, but 
why the fuck are we watching films on the OCs on um, Amazon Prime and she agreed so really we, yeah that's um, it was really fun it was it was great on, since I've known you you've always talked about how much you love the OCs so I'm glad it. that you got I love it you got that little you know what really winds me up oh, about um, I know, <laughs> as you mentioned Amazon Prime I just want to talk about Amazon Prime just for a second because okay. it's, it really bugs me how fucking awful the navigation system is oh, there's yeah. so many good things on there but they're like buried mm. and they're buried so far that you'll never see them unless someone tells you that they're there or you happen upon it on like Twitter or something like, I was literally, for some reason yesterday, I was, I saw a tweet about Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. Is it I'll, on there? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Like, who would have known that? The the, 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 the interface is bullshit, yeah. basically. It's I worse agree. on the fire stick. I was, I was on, um, I was around uh, Laura's parents last night and... Or like she does obviously doesn't live there anymore. So in her room is just this tiny, tiny telly and a fire stick. And like the fire stick's quite old, and it's like they're the, trash, aren't they? Yeah, it's like so hard to navigate around. Trying to find, trying to find Snowpiercer, which is on Prime, on a fi- on an Amazon fucking mm, fire yeah. stick, it was so hard. It was so hard. It was really, really doing my head in. Oh, Anyway, that's just that. Amazon Prime sorted. If Am- right, if Amazon Prime's navigation system was as good as Netflix, I am almost. 100% sure that they would be as popular as I Netflix. keep meaning to cancel my Prime and mm-hmm. I just everyone does it. mate every, every every person who signs up to Prime will mate, start I, that sentence I with, think I that's why we're all because we all yeah. pay for Amazon Prime yeah. separately I also bought, my dad pays for it I bought BT Sport this, this week last I week as well and, oh, I mean it's, honestly it's good it's good content and it is good. I have been watching it's also a well. good time to buy it now that all the knockout stages are yeah, yeah. So. there are no filter stuff the Champions League stuff yeah. I don't support Chelsea or Bayern Munich but, but that, I, yeah, that stuff quality, was so yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. documentaries as well the, I watched the Greavesy one the other so day really it good. is quite yeah. I don't fucking know who Jimmy Greaves is but it was a, it was a good documentary yeah, yeah, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it what have you been watching I'm sorry I've actually brought up a list of films since I've last been here I'm are you going to go through all of them? I'm going to. I'm not. I'm not going to like. Go, I'm not going to go through them and describe them and you know tell. We, I'm just going to go through them all. And then I'm going to pick. Part my of kind of watch. Ready, <laughs> steady. Right. So since we've last done it, so what? Two weeks. Yeah. I watched The Handmaiden, Queen and Slim, The Wailing, Lady Bird, Mother, Magnolia, Spider-Man: Far From Home, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Kiki's Delivery Service, Twilight mm. for some reason, The Terminal, <laughs> Clueless. The Fugitive, and then Snowpiercer last night. Is the Terminal the, the Tom Hanks one? Yeah, yeah Steven Spielberg. Film. Yeah, it's yeah. So, it's bloody a, love that it's film. It's so okay. I, I, I think it was the film that kind of was, I was like, what? why does everyone fucking love Tom Hanks? I, the, the, uh, this is not first take to bait club. That can come <laughs> But because I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, I think it's a bit okay. But, I don't like him in this. He plays like some Bulgarian guy. Mm, he does, yeah. Well, keep your xenophobic ideas away from this podcast, Liam. He doesn't no, it's what, bo- oh, okay. no, and it's why don't they just, you know, okay. actually get I've kind of been on a Steven Spielberg kick at the minute. I'm trying to watch, I'm trying to find anywhere I don't have to pay for it, but at this point I'm going to have to pay for it. Bridge of Spies, did any of you watch oh, that? Oh, I didn't, but I'd be interested. I like Bridge of Spies, to be fair. Is it good? It's really good. Because I, I feel like watching a Spielberg film is just kind of like, it's like having a cup of tea, isn't it? Like it's always it's yeah, always it going to be good apart Bridge from Bridge of Spies is boss. Apart from that Indiana Jones movie that never happens. Oh, oh Crystal Skull, mm, yeah. Crystal Skull boy. Right, I'm gonna. What's right, your favorite? Of my the favorite. Fourteen um, films. Either. So Queen and Slim was one of my oh, favorites. It's so good. It's amazing. It made me cry. Uh, Lady Bird is just. I watched that for the that. So that's the second time I've ever watched it, and yeah. fucking hell, it's amazing. I'm dying to watch it. You know? It's amazing. Mother blew me away the second time. It really did, yeah. Really? Because we watched it together, and and I, I there's a lot there's a lot in that film that I think, I think it might get a lot more credit in like ten years time than yeah. it probably did when it came out because everyone hated it. 
Um, the Wailing, which is a South Korean like horror film, which is on Netflix actually, is really good. The Handmaiden, uh, oh my god, uh-huh. oh my, the Handmaiden is is great. We yeah. should we should do that on the podcast so sometime. We keep talking about how we should do Old Boy, that mm. that the infamous. It was like the the South Korean film that like kind of broke onto the scene, and I remember Tarantino raving about it. And he followed up in 2016 with a film called The Handmaiden, and it is so twisted and so. You know how Parasite, which we'll get onto in a second, is so kind of like meticulously crafted and the mm. set design is perfect and it all kind yeah. of plays out like a like a clock. If you opened up like a Swiss watch, you can see all the gears turning. Yeah, yeah. Works That's perfectly. a good way to describe it. The Handmaiden is just like that. Yeah. But way sexier. Mm. But directed by Park nice. Chan-wook, who's actually a producer on Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I've also been watching Inside Number Nine. You're still watching that. Still yeah. watching it. Is yeah. It, is it getting better? It's or? so good. Honestly, they're, they're them them guys are geniuses. I'm gonna. I, I don't know if you ever seen like the League of Gentlemen or anything like As that. It freaked me out. The yeah, movie it used or to freak me out when I was a series? kid. Well, the both, I suppose. Uh, the movie with Sean Connery is. is oh no, not that one. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not the League of Extraordinary. That's the League gentlemen. of Extraordinary. Gentlemen. Oh, I want to say these uh, are just standard gentlemen. Me and, me and my mate Jim used to watch that all the time because it was amazing that you've got a mate Jim. Well, he's called Jimmy. Is he Jim McDonald? Jimmy. It's, uh, That's the worst it's, Irish joke I've ever Jim, made in my Jim life. Jim McKiernan. Jimmy McKiernan. Oh, good. Hello, Jim. Solid guy. Yeah, he good. won't listen, but no. he's a solid guy. Fuck him then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to the films? Or, yeah, from or... Jim to uh, Snowpiercer then. Yeah. <laughs> Happily. Happily. Right, so Snowpiercer is uh, Luke's first take, if I am not mistaken. Um, yeah, I mean both of them are my first take, but this one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. I think like Parasite is Parasite, not co- a collective. Yeah, it more is. Or less. It is, yeah. So yeah. Snowpiercer is just specifically for you, Luke. Oh, um, great. Just for you. Can't wait, to, <laughs> just... can't wait to talk about all the things that I don't care about. <laughs> anyway, Snowpiercer came out in 2013, directed by Bong Joon Ho, and. Uh, Essentially, the film is set in a future where a failed climate change experiment has killed a life, um, has killed all life, sorry, except for the lucky few who boarded the Snowpiercer, which is a train that travels around the globe, um, and a new class system emerges. It's mm. um, High Rise on a train. Have you ever seen High Rise? No. Um, yes, I have, unfortunately. Yeah, it's High Rise on a train. Okay. Um, well, I'm sure. Is that a, is that a good film? It, this is better than High Rise. I was going to say, I'm sure uh, Trust Bong, me, Bong will be really happy with you compared to High Rise is um, Ben Wheatley. Yeah, Ben Wheatley, yeah. I'm pretty sure what's Wonderful. his name? Um, Loki's in it. Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, directed by Bong Joon-ho, written by Bong Joon-ho, um, screenplay by Kelly Masterson. Um, it's based on Le Chancien... I can't pronounce it anyway. By uh, a French writer called yeah. um, Jacques Lob. Um, what what a name that Jean is, by the way. Marc Rochette. Great name. That's my uh, French accent's done for today. Right, Luke. Let's yes. throw to you, my man, and tell me what was your first take of Snowpiercer? Um, I wasn't that asked about it. I really liked the concepts like a lot, um, but. I just, I don't know what it is because it's got all the component parts. Uh-huh. Like, because I saw people say that if this movie had got a, a wider release and a bigger push, it would have been like a top blockbuster. And I just do not agree whatsoever. I know what you mean by that. I've seen like, as in like actors and directors on Twitter saying like, "Oh, Snowpiercer! If you've seen Parasite, you need to watch Snowpiercer. It yeah. would have been a blockbuster." It just, it wouldn't have. 
Chris Evans isn't a very good leading man. I actually agree with that. He's perfect as Captain America, but he'll be nothing else in anything else where you don't go, oh, it's that guy from oh, Captain America. Oh, he plays America. the guy with the cardigan in Knives Out, though. Yeah, he does. Yeah. What a fucking cardigan that is. What is a top what cardigan? A, that is a really big, a really big oversized, woolen knitted... Oh, it's, mm, it's great. Yeah, but anyway, the... oh, I feel like a lot... Of, yeah. I was really not that... Was it stoked for this? Like this, so I loved Parasite, but in general, the uh-huh. because of Snowpiercer, I just wasn't stoked at all. I kind of get that because, you know, I think this might be another case of of the nineteen seventeen effect mm. or um, or the uncut gems effect as well, as we probably yeah, actually believe. Yeah, yeah, it is. Where yeah. because you have saw people that you, because of their celebrity and status or whatever and acclaim mm. they make this comment like this is the film that if, if, you, have, if you need to watch more Bong Joon-ho stuff this is the, the way in it's, it should have been a smash hit and all this stuff and then in reality like it's a, it's a pretty good movie mm. yeah it's... and I think it's a really good movie but I also think like be- just because it was the first English language film he did doesn't mean that this is the one that you have to champion as the one you need to watch because mm. I've watched a couple more of his stuff and there's others I'd yeah. definitely recommend. Yeah, it's this, interesting, yeah. Luke, that you say about Chris Evans as not being a very good leading man because that's exactly why I put this film off for so long mm. because I'd heard of this film before I'd even heard of Bong Joon-ho because okay, it yeah. was like, I'd, I'd saw it on, it used to be on Netflix before it went on to Amazon Prime and I used to see like the poster of like Chris Evans and I would think... What's Captain America what's, doing what's on Captain, there? Yeah. Because, I don't know, there's this perception, isn't there, of um, I, people like that, actors like that, when they are, when they go from being an action hero, but like within a, an ensemble, mm-hmm. to then having their own film, it's like, oh, this might be a straight-to-DVD job. I think he like, does. that's how I perceived it. He does the kind of physical action pretty well, I think, though, but I think as the kind of emblem for social change or whatever this this the, the metaphor he, he's kind of trying to be an emblem or yeah he's trying to personify i don't think he does it that well i think personally. it feels but like then it, to be he's fair, almost I... overacted it a little bit it's only just slightly you I know like think... he feels like he's doing all like it's not coming naturally he's doing all the acting yeah, he's yeah. overacting the scenes i think what is interesting is that he's gone into this film being captain america this came out in 2013 so what was that the a year before Winter Soldier, so he'd only just been. I think that might be the year off, yeah. Um, he'd only just done what uh, the first Avenger and Avengers Assemble, so he was like that was when Captain America was, you know, goody t shoes, pretty mm. boy Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been thrown into this film, and I think it's one of those things, isn't it, where it's like you, it's like if Tom Hanks, I know he has played bad people, bad like bad characters, mm-hmm. maybe evil characters. I can't think off the top of my head, but it's like you would never really expect that of Tom Hanks to play a bad person. Yeah, That's why, like, as Fred Rogers in um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, it's perfect because yeah, it's perfect he is that almost that person anyway. So it's like Chris Evans playing a kind of... what when, Later on in the film, you find out some pretty harrowing things that he's done. That's where I had the big issue with it. And... If it was another person, you yeah. would say, right, yeah. But I, you know, okay, I'm just going to say this right now, and it's my, if you've not seen the film, this is, this, you'll be like, what? We'll get on to story but in a minute. I yeah, can't yeah. imagine Chris Evans eating babies. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yeah, I can't imagine yeah. being a cannibal at all. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let, let's talk about what the film's actually about. So 
Um, the train, the Snowpiercer, which is 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 kind of like an arc-like train that travels the world constantly, mm. and it's the only thing keeping these people from the harsh um, wintry elements that has kind of descended upon the world in the wake of this climate crisis. And the train is obviously split into carriages, and way at the back are the the poorest of the poor, the bottom of the ladder, whatever you whatever metaphor you want to use, the back of the train, mm. and uh, Curtis has kind of risen up. With the help of Gilliam, who's played by John Hurt, and they're kind of the leaders of this rebellion, this rebel movement against the upper classes and the classes further up the train. And the whole premise of the film is how Curtis and the guys that he's leading take this charge horizontally towards the top of the train mm. and try and capture. And they think once they get to the top, they'll be able to, you know, bring in some change and and. Spoiler alert, you can't really change the system if you're still operating in the system, and that's the message of the film. Mm. And then eventually where the film ends up, I think... I th you know what? There's a wider comment to make, and I'll get onto it when we talk about Parasite, because I think all of Bong Joon-ho's films, in a way, deal with class and and uh, and kind of the socio-economic platform. And it's all quite in-depth stuff, mm. but in reality, each film is a different answer, or maybe mm. a different proposition. Yeah. And I really like that. As a filmmaker, it's, it seems like he's constantly searching for a way to understand how you can operate yeah. and how you can change or kind of, I don't know, how you can operate within the system or what what the end goal is for someone who's trying to break out and trying to achieve economic um, balance. He does yeah. like to... Uh he does like to take on kind of major kind yeah. of topics, I guess. Right at the start of this, it's climate change mm -hmm. has caused this uh, frozen planet. And then it's also like this class system as well on the train. Okja, which is another film, another um, English language film mm -hmm. he did, um, which came out on Netflix like three years ago, um, is about what animal cruelty, I guess, and I kind of so. the supposed i guess bar barbarism barbarism, barbarism, barbarism yeah. of the the kind of the meat industry um and yeah i that was a little bit <clears throat> that was a little bit on the nose i know Oxen. we're talking about like we, we i don't know if we said this off air or on air how snowpierce or some of the comments on um, so, like society is uh -huh. on the nose. I think Okja is, if you're going to say on the nose, <laughs> yeah. is on the nose. Yeah, I think that might be the. It's the film of his that I've watched that I don't enjoy the most. Yeah, me, uh, if oh, that, really? I, need to like, watch it, really. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but it's the one I enjoy the least. It's, it's probably the better yeah. way. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it fine, but um, it, yeah. So, aesthetically, then, let's talk about this because I, I've watched this film before and then revisiting it for the podcast, I forgot how fucking gruesome it is and how brutal it is. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. And I wonder. Obviously, there's like the it's an action movie, so there's and it's uh, was it 15 or 18 rated, so it's gonna it's gonna be quite um, violent yeah. and quite heavy. But there's a lot of like, I don't know, in terms of uh, editing and cinematography and, and stuff like that, and and the blocking of the, the actors, I feel like the actual violence is so brutal, and I wonder if that's... I think like it's it's real though, isn't it? I think that's what he's gone. I think in his head, mm -hmm. he's gone for this. It's it, it's this weird kind of. It's hyper real in some points, and it's and it's it's quirky as well. In yeah. you know, in the way that um, in the way that some uh, what is his name? I'm thinking of Gareth Evans. You know the Raid, the Raid movies. Have you watched? I've them? never seen or the Raid. Upgrade, and they're all quite like the violence is really. Uh, what's the word? It's almost like it's almost you can almost feel it. Like there's like a real kind of um, ta tangibleness to it. Yeah. But in when you see it actually played out, it's so. 
I don't know, it's all paced so quickly and it's all mm. cut together so quickly that the the editing is so kind of not disjointed but purposely kind of broken up, not in a rhythm that it kind of feels a lot more impactful. And this it really threw me off watching it again because it's so violent. I, sorry, I, I, was, I just remembered what I was going to say. And in some of the characters in this, and I'm thinking back to like Octa as well, they have these like quirks to them similar to how um, Wes Anderson depict some of his characters. Oh, like idiosyncrasies, yeah, yeah, yeah. The way they kind of deliver their lines, like Tilda Swinton's character Mason is like the perfect kind of example of that yeah. like quirky, not quite real. Like this would not happen in real life, no matter if you're, I know this train thing isn't real life, mm -hmm. but the way she acts. And the same way as uh, later on, there's a character just called Teacher who is teaching these kids. The way she acts as well isn't really normal. But mm -hmm. it's this kind of way that he has, what, maybe most of the characters acting, I guess, generally normal to mm -hmm. what you would expect. And then maybe like, what, 10% of characters acting in this weird quirk. He gives them these weird quirks that kind of, obviously they make them stand out, but at the same time, do they fit in with, like if you're, it, it's, it's weird, like, in a Wes Anderson film, they're all doing it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's part of the it's part of the thing. It's part I of the it's film. It's part of the the. It's part of the script. It's part of the narrative for these everyone to have these quirks, everyone to deliver lines in these these strange ways. But I don't know if I don't know what he was. This is gonna sound like I'm being a dickhead. I just don't know what he was thinking. Like literally, I can't imagine why why he thought why that was the only, choice. Yeah, why we'll just have a few characters being strangely quirky. Mm -hmm. I wonder um, if um, I wonder if that's just Tilda Swinton though. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't mean it as an insult. Cause I but think I she's just a fucking awesome I wanted actor. to elaborate on what Liam was saying because, like, as he was saying, like, I I found it hard to put on like put my finger on exactly like how, what I wasn't massive on, and mm -hmm. and I think it is that it's it's inconsistent in a way that like some of these like you're right with, with like say a Wes Anderson film or another film that's like by an author like. It's all it's part of this universe, which itself is all like a bit weird and a bit quirky, and like everyone's living in that. Yeah. But in this, it's like a quarter, yeah, twenty five percent of the of the people you come into contact with in the film are like a bit weird, and everyone else yeah. is also like, and then others aren't, and it just felt really inconsistent. And it then it seems think, as if like certain lines have been written for certain characters by different people, almost. Mm. Like I, I don't. Once again, this is not a, it's not an insult. It's just just a criticism or yeah. an observation like the Tilda Swinton character is the perfect example she has this weird monologue so it is I yeah. just don't think she's a very good character she says there's this there's this line she says that like someone throws a shoe at her is that how it works yeah, yeah. and she says um, she's addressing like the, the masses in the, in, the low, in the back of the train and she's saying that you you guys are a shoe I'm a hat the shoe goes on the bottom of the body the hat goes on the top of the body and it's like Okay, I get like I get I get the metaphor. And they keep you don't have saying to, you don't have to do the front of the train. Like I get the front of the train, back of the train thing, and that's that's clear to me. That's the mm. that's the class progression, and each car carriage you go up is another step in the or another rung in the ladder. But the hat shoe thing, like it's mm. just a bit of a and quirk. She, she keeps saying like in that monologue, she says twice. Um, everyone has their. She does this weird thing with her hand. Yeah. Preordained. Um, like social, yeah. um, like place on the train, if you know what I mean. I can't remember the specific line, but she keeps saying it. And then later on, uh, Ed Harris, who actually I think is cast perfectly because he actually plays yeah. a similar role in the Truman Show. Yeah, yeah I was um, thinking that. I because there's obviously like tw twenty years between them two films, but not quite. Maybe eight, uh, seventeen, eighteen. I was like, is that Ed Harris in exactly <laughs> yeah, the same role yeah, he plays yeah. in the Truman Show? 
It's um, but I think that I honest, I think that was purposeful because it then yeah I agree. You look at him and think that's so believable him playing that role mm. because we've seen it before. Yeah. And also he does play he does play this weird kind of commanding godlike figure, but also at the same time comes across almost down to earth in yeah. his own right. Yeah. Um, that that moment right right near the end, I. It's quite a sim. It's a complex but simple narrative, isn't it? I guess like there are things that happen that are complex, but at the same time, Chris Evans is going from the back of the train to the front of the train, mm -hmm. and it's almost like um, like a game, isn't it? Levels. Each carriage is a level. Yeah. A mission. Yeah, yeah you can see it that way. And you, you kind can of definitely see it building that way, up, yeah. building building up to the the kind of final showdown, which is between him and Wilford, uh -huh. and. I really like the end. I, I well, me too. I, I like the the me moment too. that he comes face to face with Wilford, and he reveals this kind of this. I, I guess it's a twist that Gilliam, who is, I guess, would you call him like he's kind of Curtis's um, mentor almost. Yeah, but then he's everyone. He's like the Jesus like figure for like the back of the train. Yeah, he's like who, who everyone who the. He, he is like the father for all of the poor people. They uh -huh. all look up to him. He's like their leader. Um, and it turns out that Wilford and Gilliam, so the rich guy at the top of the train and the poor guy, the leader at the bottom of the train, have been working together all along mm -hmm. and have been planning they everything rebellion, yeah. meticulously. Because obviously it's not something you think about, but then when he says it at the end, of course, it's a train. There's only so many people that can be on this train. Mm -hmm. So at some points they're going to have to find a way I to love, get rid of a few people. And you know what I love is that that's foreshadowed. When they go into, there's like, I think the main part of, like, tr the train as the as the allegory and the metaphor is is really not, it is quite clever, but it's also quite, um, only once you watch the film and you see all the little details as you realize the in intricacy of it and the kind of middle section where they walk in, there's like a, like a, like a fish tank aquarium-like carriage. Mm. And, they, and um, it's after they've taken... Tilda Swinton's character Mason hostage and they're bringing her to the front or trying to at least and they get to this part and she talks about how they have to have a certain only a certain amount of fish is available at a certain time of year because they have to take fish out of that tank so they can all live in harmony and you think like okay that that does make sense mm. it does kind of make mm. sense and in reality once you get that final message at the end it's like oh okay this is our fish tank this is our yeah. you know, and that is quite it's stuff. It's quite clever, but it's and it, it, it you just stuff you don't realize until you've either rewatched it or don't know thought about it a bit longer after that revelation. At the there end. is stuff that does make sense, I guess. If you were if you were on that train, if mm -hmm. that was real, mm -hmm. then I guess it's almost like that is what would happen. But at the same time, the people at the front, because they are so privileged, then become warped and a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. Like the, the 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 lady who is almost like the bodyguard to Wilford. Um, yeah, who I like comes in like takes the kids at the start of the film. She is bizarre. She's mm -hmm. a bizarre person, but you can imagine that maybe she used to be normal, or maybe some of the guys at the front used to be like I don't know, generals or gen like families of generals or okay. mil like I don't know. But it, it's it is it is it's a really weird kind of depiction of the way certain people act um, as well, like. It's almost as if everyone at the back of the train is depicted at first as, you know, just and morally right and brave and heroic. Mm -hmm. And then as you move further up the train, everyone becomes a little bit more evil and a little bit more toxic and a little bit more, 
I don't know, like manipulative. Mm -hmm. Mm. But then you find out at the end that the back of the train actually, they were forced to become like barbarians, Uh literally eating the weak. Um, But then there is that really, really interesting kind of monologue with uh, Curtis, Chris Evans's character. And he's talking for a, a while about how how it went down when they first got put to the back of the train. And he says, we were about to, essentially we were about to eat this baby. And then um, John Hurt's character, Gilliam, cuts his arm off and says, you don't need to eat this baby, eat this instead. So there's like so many weird kind of layers so, and, and, and textures to one person, uh-huh. I guess. Or I guess most characters really, but Gilliam's this guy that has been working with Wilford. So then, what does that make him evil? But then at the same time, he's cut off his own arm. So the I think that's get kind killed. of this is like this is also touched on in Parasite, where no one is really black and white. Yeah. No one is actually the enemy or the good guy. But what is the issue here is the the system, the train that mm. they operate within, and that's why at the end, I, I think. But maybe I don't know if Pete fully agrees with this idea, but this is how the film plays out, where the characters at the end realize that they cannot go on in this perpetual cycle that will just keep going until eventually it, it blows up so they decide to take that action themselves and blow the train up and at the end essentially the system is broken and they live on this new outside world and you see that normally the the escape in the train would only result in death and you see that uh, illustrated by the what like frozen bodies of people who mm, tried to escape yeah. but they mentioned that the you know that the, they see the snow melting and eventually they get out and at the end the final shot is they see a polar bear and that's kind of like the symbol of there's potential there's hope out here and there's hope in this in this world if you just kind of try and get outside the system but what i would say is key here and this is why i think the message in this film and parasite are, it, it are so different and so important because they are also tied is that this is a sci-fi film this is a dystopian mm. this is a fan it's a fantasy movie you can't get outside the system. We're all stuck in it. Not to speed too fucking spaced out. We live in a society, man. All that type of bullshit. But it's true. Mm. I think this hits on my point of why. Remember we spoke about Drive, mm-hmm. and um, it, I we were all kind. Of, I enjoyed it maybe more than you guys, but we did kind of settle on that it was a lot of style over substance. I agree. I actually think this is a complete opposite. Yeah, this has got yeah. all of the substance, but I just. I think the style doesn't really the work style, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah looking at it, do you know what I mean? Like it's got like all that, because when we talk about it now and I even forgot the stuff about where they had to be, become cannibals and mm-hmm. where like, as they, like what you said, the great mm. point there, Liam, about as they moved up the train, like the people even slightly changed as like the goal, he was in front of them and you mm. could get to it and that. And there's a lot of things that have been said and then at the end when he go outside and there's a polar bear and you're like, oh yeah, this is great. Like, all the things that are said in this film mm-hmm. are great. I, I just don't like the way they, the way it's done. Even I, like that's his a fair criticism. Eva's like his. I know this is this is a really bad criticism because I I'm not massive on. I think this, the the CG of the elements and the train and everything is very Sharknado. And like I only really like the idea of if you're going to use and I don't know how else you would do this really. I suppose on a limited budget, but if you're going to do CG, it's got to look great. And if you're not. I think you've got to find a way around yeah. that. Um, I think that's what put me off instantly. But yeah, I felt like it's really substance over style. It's, it's worth watching, but substance over style. I, I agree. Um, I just want to make one point, And I think there is a scene in this film that is sheer perfection. Yeah, Talk to me. Um, and it's the scene probably about 45 minutes in when they finally, 
start their kind of charge through the train and they come up against they 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 find out that the the guards don't have bullets in their guns and they come across that's such a good scene yeah, 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 yeah. Like this boss, like. and they they come into this little tight carriageway and there is um all of these kind of henchmen with axes and mm. balaclavas over their face and they've got these like menacing smiles and it's really intimidating like i I can't. I, I don't remember how I felt watching it for the first time, but when mm-hmm. I watched it that scene again last night, I was like, it's quite scary. That scene in particular, I, I felt quite intimidated and quite scared just because it's really menacing. And also they have the moment where they hold up the, the, the big fish and they, they rip the guts out of the fish and dip their axe in the, in the blood mm-hmm. of, the gut, of, of the fish. Um, I just want to touch on that point as well. I know we said we weren't gonna, we, we weren't gonna mention this, but that scene, right? It deserves. Um, this deserves mention. I the, think the scene essentially Harvey convicted rapist Harvey Weinstein because mm-hmm. he is now. Um, he wanted that scene out of the film, but Bong Joon Ho essentially said, "No, this is really important mm-hmm. to the film, uh, to this scene." And I guess it is because that fish. He's essentially holding up a dead fish. They've not eaten food. These guys haven't eaten food in what years? Seventeen yeah. years, and the, they're literally holding a dead fish and using it to. What, to what, illustrate a point to yeah. illustrate a point to wet their blades and uh bong joon ho essentially turned around to weinstein and said well, my father was a fisherman I, I really need this scene and it's really important to me and then he later revealed bong joon ho later revealed that my father wasn't a fucking fisherman i just lied <laughs> i lied because i wanted that scene in the film and thank god he did because that scene's great yeah and um it, that that is that might be you said luke that you didn't think you thought it was substance over style mm. this scene in my in my opinion is stylish as hell yeah um the way that the light is used in the scene i don't know who the cinematographer is but it is amazing mm. there's a moment where is that when it's in like the blackout of the yeah is that that's that, that's, a, that's such a cool the scene, moment yeah. where they go through the tunnel and um oh yeah that's it yeah. that there is there's this moment where the camera is, is a close-up on like it goes from like chris evans face to a few other characters face whilst it's dark but then a tiny little bit of light kind of shines through and crosses their face Mm -hmm. and it's so beautifully done and it's yeah i I agree with you luke not much of the film is actually that stylish but that scene in particular for me is just sheer perfection yeah the brutality of it i think what he does really well is what bong joon ho does really well in this film is the actual reality of like a rebellion of like this kind of warlike state there is not like obviously chris evans is the the quote-unquote hero who does live till near the end but everyone else there's no there's no like these are untouchable everyone else kind of dies a lot of people die in this scene a lot of characters like jamie bell who is a big name actor and what he dies in this in this particular scene um tilda swinton they then get to take take tilda swinton's character hostage in this scene there's a lot that happens within this moment it's really important to the film and it's the most stylish moment in the film mm-hmm. i just i personally when i when, i love this film by the way like I, I didn't take i don't need style all the time i think yeah. if the story's good enough then fine um but isn't it isn't the style so the story is yeah. what takes you from one from the beginning to the end. But it's a style that keeps you there. I, I just agree. wasn't kept there. Whatsoever. I agree with you, and I think that I think the and style also, suits I, I this don't film. Think, but I don't think it's it's I don't think it's a night like it's not a nice watch. But I don't think my, it's my. my point. I really enjoyed it. My point isn't um, it wasn't stylish. It's the style. Yeah. So the so whereas it, Drive may actually be an unusual uh, comparison because it is 
the style is stylish. Yeah. But what I mean is, that's a fair point. I look at it and I'm. It doesn't hook me. There's just yeah. there's just some bits that just didn't quite. To be grab fair, I, I really. guess that's kind of a a box he's kind of. No, he's painting. That's a corner he's painted himself into, I guess. Because how stylish can you be when you're confined to you know a, a carriageway? Yeah, exactly. You can't be that stylish. Mm. And maybe that's maybe he 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 meant for that because train like there's nothing stylish about being boxed in a train, and maybe that is what he was. Yeah, but there's been films that have conveyed grit better, in my opinion. Yeah, so no, it's not no, about yeah. being stylish, but you know, it's, I th- I it's think- one of them, isn't it? I mean, like. At the end of the day, you enjoyed it, and I was like, "Yeah, it's fine," but I won't watch it again. Mm. Yeah, but then at the same time, I watched this in bed for the first time. I was in bed watching it, and it was like one of these things where, you know, why not? I'll put it on. Mm. I, I just watched um, Denis Villeneuve's uh, Enemy, Enemy. That's, and that's a bit of a slow burner. Yeah. So I just watched a bit of a slow burner, which is only on for an hour and a half, and a little bit. Um, it's, it, it's a bit. Uh, what's the word? Convoluted. Convoluted. Say. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a bit enigmatic, and then this comes on, and yeah, there is some enigma about some aspects of it, but it's hard hitting and it's kind of quite fast paced at times. And I don't know what you it's see kind is what you get. What as you well, see is what it? you yeah. get. And I think it, this might have been the perfect film mm. to follow a film yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe that's why I enjoyed it way more the set the 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 first time I I watched it. Yeah, fair, fair. Do we have any more points that we want to make about this film? Um, what do we think? I do, but they're all kind of relative to Parasite because I've, I've now that I've, I've watched, I've watched both of these quite a while ago, and I've thought about them yeah. together because we're doing them on the podcast mm. together. But I kind of want to talk about the Parasite points. Okay, well, I want to make this one last point, and this is this doesn't actually happen, in my opinion. This isn't kind of very obvious in Parasite anyway. If it is in Parasite, but the clear element of hope right at the end of Snowpiercer. Mm, what I do... think this is in Parasite, by the way. Yeah, but this is a this is way more obvious, is what I mean okay. in Snowpiercer. Got, uh, it, it is. Say, it, say what it is, say what it is. Yeah. So, also, you know, the, there is a, there is on-the-nose difference between the two films, just mm-hmm. before you start the point. Sorry, mate. I'm That's okay. Just bu- yeah, in no, there. go ahead. But I think um, this, this is the first, I don't know if you say Hollywood feature, first English language feature. There is cultural differences between different places that make films. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're going like, oh, it's dead on the nose. Well, it's the first English language feature that he's done, exactly. and you never, you know, you never know. The first thing that anyone does in any kind of career, especially a filmmaker, it's trial and error. And yeah, this didn't go super far. This film, mm-hmm. but you'd like to think that next yeah. time the what he's learned it's from Parasite and what he's made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. so it's almost like well, maybe things are slightly more on the nose in another yeah. culture but then they also use other things as a very intertwined into it so it makes it a little more complex yeah not point. not to sound like patronizing and also western people are fucking idiots as well so like it's like this is what's yeah. happening yeah. not to sound patronizing to bong joon ho but you know his english isn't amazing now so imagine what it would have been like seven years ago yeah so then to, to direct uh english-speaking people a predominant it's mainly english-speaking there's two korean uh there's two Korean speaking actors, Kang yeah. Ho Song, who's in plays the the main guy in Parasite, yeah. and also uh, Koa Song, who plays Yona. So they're the two um, main kind of uh, non English speaking characters in this film, mm-hmm. and they are they're quite important to the plot. Well, actually, they are very important to the plot. Um, yeah, the Yona is yeah. He isn't though. No, he does. Oh yeah, sorry. Yona right. is one of the survivors with um, this little boy near the end, and. 
Okay, so let's just talk about right at the end. So she is, the train blows up and Yona and this little boy get off the train and then they see a polar bear. So there's this hope of life. Not to mention that previously in the film, um, the other guy, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Namgoon Minsu. He tells this little thing about there's a plane that he saw and the ice is melting on the plane. So there's could potentially be life. Mm-hmm. And that is obvious. That is, it's obvious. There's, there's a polar bear there, there's life. They're going to try and find this this airplane, and you know they might they might you know rekindle life on Earth um, rather than this train. Well, the mm-hmm. train's blown up anyway, but that is on the nose. It's obvious. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's essentially look. There is this final little glimpse of hope. I think the film needed it though because the film is doom and gloom throughout pretty much. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I think the film needs it massively. But like, my my main element is that. The hope is 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 tied to the fact that it's not it's a fan, a fantasy film, yeah. it's a sci-fi film, and that's kind of like a little bit of a knife in the fucking ribs to me, mm. a little bit, and I, that's why I love it because it's, it ends on a hopeful, but let's be real, a bit bleak. Yeah. Now. To be honest, I do like when films are completely like everyone dies. Have you ever seen uh, this film? Isn't great at great at all, <laughs> but I think it's called Life. It's with oh, J- Jake Gyllenhaal. That film's and... trash. Yeah, I have saw it though. I have saw it. But like, trash. the last ten minutes is good. Yeah, and okay. then I didn't expect everyone to just be fucking dead at the end. Shakespeare. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Should we do popcorns? Let's yeah. do popcorns. Um, Seventy-two for me. Fifty-three. Wow, it yeah. really didn't stick with you Not at all. Though. I really, I honestly, really like the story. Yeah. I think. But, I, I, I like. Yeah, the idea of a film having something to say more than. You know, the says. usual, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, cool. yeah, just, yeah, no. Liam? Um, 80 for me. Fair. Yeah. That's good, that. It's a big fat four stars, yeah. <laughs> um, right, so we've just spoke about that film for about half an hour, maybe 40 minutes, so let's... That's a killer, that, because <laughs> Parasite's a big boy. <laughs> so we'll move on to 2020's Parasite, or 2019's Parasite, depending on where you are in the world. Anyway, <laughs> Parasite is now an Oscar winner. It took home Best Director, Best Original Screenplay... <sighs> It makes me so happy. Best, best film, film and best international and film. And best international film. Thank you, Connor. So it's pretty much knocked it out of the fucking park. Mm-hmm. It's the best film that I've seen in the last... Well, actually, it's joint top maybe with Endgame. Maybe Fuck off. <laughs> here we go. I knew I was going to say this is going to be the one podcast where we don't get Endgame in. I thought this on the way here and he said it. I'm and not going to change. I'm not like... Don't Endgame, change your ways. Not don't much, change for anyone, man. Don't change, change your ways. Probably Endgame is still going to be... It's, it's my number one boy. It... it I was a little like child watching that film, yeah. but Parasite is a close second for show for the films I've watched in the last twelve months, I guess. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. Parasite is amazing. I'd agree. Parasite is absolutely fantastic. Parasite is it, everyone should go and watch yeah, it. Yeah, everyone. You it, honestly, I mean, if you haven't watched it, we're about to spoil the absolute shit out of it. Yeah. And even by saying there are spoilers, feels like there are spoilers yeah. because. Yeah. Do you oh, want to, man, do you want to sum movie. it up? Of course. I just want to say that this is a collective first take for all yeah. of us. We all went to uh, Fact Picture House, the lovely yeah. Lucy sorted us out with uh, some tickets to go and catch that. And I really loved like how buzzing the the screen was when we were in yeah, there. Yeah, we went. To, was, we essentially went to a preview screen, yeah. didn't we? So the whole the whole screen was packed, and it was the first time actually, which is really weird. The first time in almost a year since we've been doing this podcast that all three of us went to the cinema together. Yeah. Crazy. And it was to this film. I think the next time we go has to be another one. It yeah. can't be like Bad Boys 7 or whatever no. the fuck it is. Black Widow, obviously. The <laughs> Mate, honestly, I'm, anyway, I'm excited for that. But anyway, <laughs> For on. different reasons, right? Yeah. <laughs> Florence Pugh being the main reason. Um, mm-hmm. And Scarlett Johansson. She's all right. Okay. Right, so this film, Parasite. 
um, is about a poor family, the Kims, who con their way into becoming the servants of a rich family, the Parks. Um, but their easy life gets complicated when their deception is threatened with exposure. That is the perfect summary without giving anything away. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Liam. Well, to be fair, like, if, if you want to pause this, go and watch the film mm -hmm. and then come back to us talk about it then you'll enjoy it much more. 100%. You should go into this as blind as possible. But then Although, to be fair, keep your eyes this film's been out for two weeks in the UK, and it's only just became the number one on UK box office. Oh, really? Because it's getting more and more... Um, I've it's had so more many cinemas. people say, should I go watch Parasite? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. If you even mm. think about it, just go watch it. Yeah, for sure. Faux show. So this is directed by Bong Joon-ho, director Bong himself. Uh, it's written by Bong Joon-ho. Oh, some of the story. Uh, have you seen the storyboards? I have. Oh, I'm obsessed with storyboards. By the way, he's he's a genius. He's a genius. He is an absolute genius. Oh, such a humble man. Oh, I love the guy. Anyway, the um, so Kang Ho Song, who is in Snowpiercer, uh -huh. he's he has he worked with he's worked with him a few times. right? Yeah, he's in Memories of Murder yeah. as well. Um, he plays uh, Kim, uh, Sun Kyung Lee's uh, Park Dong Ik. Uh, these are all kind of like the main. Guys, there's the like Kim family, the Kim, yeah. fa the Kim family, and then the Park family. Um, Yo Jong Jo plays the mum of the Park family. Um, Park Yong Kyo. I'm gonna. I'm not just gonna read them all. Yeah, I, please don't. I realise yes. how annoying that would have been if I just went through the whole cast list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, and then end it with just like, and did you know that uh, his uh, father was a fisherman? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. How do we start this 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 discussion? Because did, yeah. do you want me to give my first take? Actually, let's all, yeah. not yeah, very let's, long. Let's it's all like, give our first take. Let's do a collective first. We well, this is so weird. We've never done I'll this give before. my first take because yeah. it's really short. Go on. It was fucking great. It's amazing. Film, man. I think it's perfect. Yeah, I I, I would say it's pretty There's close to perfect. There's not one thing I would change about this no, film. Oh, no, no. Absolutely not. Like, uh, yeah. This... Perfect. This feels... It's as on... It's not as on the nose as Snowpiercer. No. It's on the nose, but it doesn't feel... Like that's a, the wrong thing to you know do. What's so good? Because it is kind of a I mental film, that. isn't it? Mm -hmm. So, because the whole like Snowpiercer, the concepts in it are real life. They're not mm -hmm. that mental, but it's set in like a weird dystopian time. Mm -hmm. But Parasite is set now. Mm -hmm. Things that are happening now. So to be as on the nose, you don't really have to even say anything. You just we're all aware of the, the class economic system. climate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah, yeah So yeah. you have to almost delve into the on-the-nose stuff in Snowpiercer because it's another timeline almost. But here you can just do things that are happening now and, and we don't take it, it as on-the-nose, yeah. That's that's a very fair point. And I I actually I actually think, and I, I wrote it in a little review that we did for the for the, this film when, when we went to see it, this is one of the most accessible foreign films I've watched ever. Yeah. And I, I've watched a couple, quite a few, but this feels like... It almost feels like you don't even have to pay attention, and you mm. should, and you will, because it 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 doesn't it doesn't make you pay attention, but it there's something it about you. it that it kind of just yeah it does. You cannot stop looking at it, and it's so tense, but it's also fucking hilarious, and it's exhilarating. And the first thirty minutes are like the perfect setup to a, a con, and it goes so perfectly well. Essentially, they infiltrate this family. Initially, the son of the Kim family is approached by his best friend and says. Look, I'm tutoring. I'm tutoring this rich family, and I'm going away for a couple of months. I'd like you to, you know, fill in, and you be the tutor. And they pay really well. And don't worry, the mum's a bit on the on the gullible side. You'll get in dead easily. And he goes in, and once he's there, he realizes like, okay, there's a, there's an opportunity here. 
when he starts tutoring the, the daughter of the rich family. And then slowly the family each become like, I don't know, established house workers in there. So his sister becomes the, the art therapist to the son. The fact that you need an art therapist is wild. Mm-hmm. The dad becomes the other dad's chauffeur and the mum becomes kind of what, like the the housekeeper. Yeah. And as each little con to get to, like, no, essentially have to dethrone another family or another couple of people that work there and get involved. And as each one plays out, the stakes are kind of slowly becoming... I don't know they're slowly getting oh a bit God, raised the tension's getting better and it. once you get to the final con which is to remove the housemaid who's been there since the last owner lived there the great Namgung who's actually the name of the guy in Snowpiercer oh, okay he's called Namgung which is just a weird coincidence um, which is the main plot it plays out in this montage that is probably the best piece of filmmaking I've saw in years like I think I watched a video on it and it's it's 50 shots over six minutes or something so there's like and it's how they break it down and it's all cut to this beautiful classical music and it but it's cut with such like real vibrancy and it's really electric and it's so mischievous and devious that you mm. you're you're so involved in it and essentially what they do is they i don't know i don't know how to explain it but they essentially what kind of not poison her but give her an allergic reaction to peach fuzz and <laughs> yeah and yeah. and then they squirt hot sauce into the bin and you're like it's hilarious it's so funny yeah. and it's so like oh my god they did it that you know something bad's gonna mm. happen and that's the real kick because once because the infiltration happens quite early in the film really yeah. considering yeah. If, if it was just to be all about that yeah it takes about what 40 40 minutes i'd say 40 minutes for them to get established it's about a two-hour film isn't it maybe yeah i think it is are they the are the kims the parasites no they don't, they're not. I don't think so. I don't think. I think everyone is. The whole yeah. point is everyone's. I a love that title though. It's so. Mm. It's yeah. so. And the fact that it's parasite and not parasites, because then you're yeah. like, well, it's everyone. Yeah. That you kind of ask yourself, who is the real enemy here? And no one is once again. I never um, really thought about the title when I first watched the film. Um, so I this is this is really bad. I watched this film months ago. Um, Maybe illegally, I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Who knows? If anyone's listening, cancel Liam Jones. I mean, the police aren't going to come catch me, are they, really? (laughs) If we tell them. (laughs) It's already happened, it's already happened now. Uh, I watched this film months ago, um, and I think the first time I watched it, I don't know if I I properly paid attention to kind of the importance of it and Mm -hmm. how magnificent it is, I Mm -hmm. guess. Um, And it was only when the film finished mm-hmm. because when I first watched it all, it, it just debuted at Cannes, uh, took home the Palm Door, and everyone was talking about it, but not in this, not obviously it wasn't even close yeah. to being talked about uh, an Oscar contender at that point. So I just threw it on. And um, by the way, I don't do this anymore. This was month, this was literally last summer mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm a changed man now. But, um, and I watched it, and I was like, I, I, "Yeah, this is great. This is fine. This is great. This is, this is a great film." Uh-huh. And then it comes to the end. I was, "Jesus, what have I just watched?" I know. I remember you tell. I remember saying, "Oh man, I can't wait to watch this Parasite." And Liam's like, "Yeah, I've saw it." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I, I w- watched it a couple nights ago, and I was like, "What?" 
Is it good? He's like, it's amazing. Shut up! I don't want to hear anything more. I don't want to hear anything more. Yeah, I, don't I didn't also, even want to hear it was amazing. Almost yeah, in a yeah. weird way. Yeah, we don't want to. We didn't want to give it the uncut gems effect. You know what the really? Mm. The, the, and the, even I think this film is is impervious to the uncut gems effect. Yeah, no matter how good you think this film is, it's probably just yeah. as good, yeah. if not better. The good thing about it is that I, between me watching it the first time and for the second time, there was about nine month gap. <laughs> you <laughs> forgot <laughs> most. So of it. I forgot yeah, quite yeah. a lot of it. Um, so I, I obviously I, I enjoyed it far much more the second time watching it in a packed cinema full of it was buzzing i love it when that happens yeah, yeah. there Give was a real that. like tension yeah that, like you could feel everything and it in was that just cinema. it was sold out to the chair wasn't yeah. it yeah. To the seat. give me that every time i could go and watch sonic the fucking hedgehog and if the screen is rammed i will enjoy it if 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 like if everyone else enjoys if it. everyone else yeah <laughs> it's, a nice else it's a nice feeling it. to go into a cinema isn't it in an industry where it's lamented for like being too expensive or yeah, like people not going or it being a bit like oh it's kind of not people's mode of uh, method of entertainment and then you go in and it's like you have to like it's almost like you can see, it's like being at a theater mm-hmm. literally yeah, isn't it? it, it is. it's chock-a-block it's especially brilliant. for a film like this which is so universal and kind of it, it's it's i've only really started watching uh films in a foreign language i guess the last couple of years since i've got into film um but this film and this narrative is so universal that it's one of those things, isn't it, where if you can watch a film without the without the, the volume, without the sound on, and you can still kind of grasp what's going on, then you know that the screenplay is great. And I think this is a type of film where obviously the dialogue is important. It is, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but each scene tells a story itself, like yeah. what is in the picture. Everything is meticulously placed the characters are, mani- are meticulously placed in each scene. I watched a video yesterday and it was talking about the lines um, in each scene. So the actual physical... I've, I've watched this Yeah, as well. the, the physical lines, uh, uh-huh. say like the line of a wall or the line of a, the side of a painting separates characters to kind of give that separation of, you know, the poor and the rich. Um, there's also like loads of... the. Obviously, this hasn't even been out for enough time for all the... Like, there's going to be so many more great kind of essays and explorations of this film. This made me want to go back to uni and study film. Yeah. yeah. There's the scene right at the start where um, the, the, the Kims essentially are making money by making pizza boxes. And the pizza lady, delivery lady, comes to them to pick up the boxes. And within, like, 10 seconds each member of the Kim family surrounds uh-huh. uh, the the pizza lady like parasites. Uh-huh. Um, and the way it's done is so... It, it, it's so great. And it's something that you, at the time, you wouldn't notice. I don't think the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, he's done that because he wants to depict, you know, their kind of parasitic nature of kind mm-hmm. of swarming people to try and... I guess because what, what they were doing at the time is they were trying to manipulate this lady into letting them carry on making pizza boxes because they fucked up. Mm-hmm. They, they they made them too quickly and messed it up. And they're always trying to... I want to say... I feel like they're like always trying conning. to cut corners. They're yeah. always trying to make the easiest way... Uh, the easiest way to make a quick buck, essentially, is what they're yeah. trying to do. But right? what is interesting, though, is that... So these are really poor people, but they're not, like, poor people depicted as, like, idiots or... Um, they're clever. They're clever. Yeah, yeah. They're clever. And it's it. what is interesting is that it's this depiction of they're poor and they're clever. So why can't they be 
rich or why can't they use their well co- when you look at the no, rich but, family who are gullible and yeah. they're look i'm not calling them stupid but by People by no means stupid. are they as cunning or as clever as or switched on as the as the kim family are i think there's something in that and it's kind of once again it's the comment that it's the system and the and the yeah, capitalism exactly. that keeps you separated yeah. because sometimes it's just luck it's the family yeah. you're born into or exactly, it's the people exactly you meet what i was going to say yeah and i First of all, we should talk about it's how it starts off, and and you get a clear, you get a complete class divide straight away from the house that they both live in. So the the Kim family live in what's called a semi basement. Is that right? And these are quite common in yeah. Seoul, Korea, and it's essentially like it's like an underground basement, but the top layer is um, I don't know, maybe like a couple of inches off the ground, and it's like a little window, and you live underground, and essentially every day that's their that's their kind of home their residence and the fact that it's underground even in itself speaks volumes but to get to the the, the park family the, the rich family they have to climb up these stairs and it's constantly they're on this ascending path almost like they're um stepping up the property ladder or the socio-economic ladder and that's how they get there but all throughout the film there's this kind of running joke of um this the what's the son called i, I can't remember now um park dong yeah, Kim Ki Woo is the character, I think. Is that right? Oh no, yeah, it's Kim, not Park. Yeah. Okay, cool. So he is. Um, he has this kind of running joke where it's, it's he says, "Oh, it's so metaphorical." And yeah. The film is like it's that, so though, good. isn't it? Yeah. And he has this other great line where he he once he initially establishes himself as like a romantic interest of the the sister, the, or sorry, the daughter of the rich family. He says he has this great line where he says, "I don't like. Do I belong here?" Mm. And his whole kind of journey is trying to assimilate and become part of that rich culture. But in reality, that is never going to happen. Yeah, which is exemplified by the ending. And this film uses hope as kind of like a real crushing blow right at the end. And hope is kind of non-existent, really, apart from with him. He's kind of the the champion of hope, and yeah. we can get once we're in here, we can kind of get here, and we can make sure we stay here so and that's it. yeah that's it's an interesting is it him that kind of sparks their ambition i guess to to infiltrate this family because i guess you where get, does it come from you, though you, you, must, yeah, yeah you get the impression that these that this family have been unambitious for a long time mm-hmm. you know they're kind of stewing away in this tiny little flat um you know the kids are clever the parents are obviously clever but it seems like they I don't know, resting on their laurels, I guess, in a way, and um, are kind of comfortable in their in, in in their situation, which is weird considering their situation isn't great. Yeah, they seem to be like the kind of the, the nature where you know they literally have to go and crawl in the in right in the corner of their bathroom just to get Wi-Fi. Uh, but they're fine doing it. It's not. They don't moan about it. They just accept it. Yeah. Right yeah. Until something something comes up that we may be able to take advantage yeah. of. Yeah. In so, itself, though, is that not kind of like? It's kind of a bit scathing as well, isn't yeah. it? Like it's almost a criticism of people that don't. I don't know. Try and better the situation, yeah. but in reality, the only way you can better it for these people is to break the law and, and yeah. commit crimes. Because there's so it? many questions, though, isn't there? That uh, even just uh, about society, if you get. If you are oppressed or pushed into like that kind of a social bracket of I don't know I guess like the poor and downtrodden, mm-hmm. can you get out of it by operating in the system? Yeah, is the main question. I I don't I don't think so. I don't or think do the you, film or, says so. Or anyway. do you have to be like what the the Kim family are at the start and just completely accept uh, what you are? 
until obviously I know they do break out of that mm-hmm. system by infiltrating illegally a family. What so I find is really like, interesting is is that they don't actually achieve anything grand. Well, no, they just want they, they get menial want, jobs. Yeah, that's mm. that's 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 the next step up for them is to get a job that mm. is kind of like, I, you know, some people would probably turn their nose up at it. I don't. I don't want to be a driver for. You know, I can't drive for a start. But like, I, <laughs> I my aspiration would never be to be a driver. But no. this pays all right. And at the end of the day, like, they're all kind of. They've all got jobs. We're all employed, and that's mm. a step up from where they were. And that in that in itself is kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Should we talk about the kind of major plot point that happens <laughs> yeah. about halfway? The, through it changes the film, the film completely. It, yeah, doesn't completely. It, yeah. Um, you you've no idea where this film is going, and then. Once the the Kim family infiltrate the parks, suddenly something happens. Yeah, and so, I, I, Luke, I I want to go to you just for this kind of when it, when there there is this big reveal of this hidden kind of like downstairs um, little what apartment type. Um, yeah, like a bunker, bunker like a or whatever. Bunker, isn't yeah, it? like yeah. a bunker. Yeah. What was your like reaction when it was revealed? And did you have any kind of thoughts of Oh, I can see where this is going to go, or did you kind of just think, right? I'm going to let, I'm going to see where this kind of, how this plays out. Um, I think it becomes slightly more clear what's going to happen, but I didn't. I think it's it's hard, isn't it? Because the film was, it is a mad film in general. So like to even second guess what was going to happen, I was a bit like, well, someone's, you know, maybe someone's going to be down, like someone's going to be down there, and then are they going to infiltrate the? play you know, you know it's hard to i kind of was like i know where this ends maybe ends badly, badly yeah. but <laughs> as opposed to before you're a bit like oh well they've got jobs and i mean not you know they, they went about it in an interesting and potentially illegal or morally illegal way yeah but they've got jobs and they could and the film could have been like oh yeah these people got jobs and that's the end mm. but it was a bit like well that's the good bit, but where does anything else happen next? Yeah, it's too early for the victory. Essentially. Yeah, exactly. So you you are left happen, like, yeah. mm, well, okay, well, that's not the film, is it? So what happens now? Um, I, I did. I didn't know what. I didn't know what to expect. But you're also like, well, they've they've shunned some of these other people out of mm-hmm. jobs, and the natural kind of antagonist, other than the the rich family, may be one of these people and mm. so I, you know when you're a bit like i've got all the uh, component parts to where i think things may go but i don't know what's gonna happen yeah um yeah namely is when like i said the, the main kind of con the main heist is getting rid of the the old housekeeper who is um uh moon guang and she yeah she's been there forever she's been there since the last place or since the last owner and once they get rid of her, that's it's, kind of the, it's it's important to say that the la, the the last <laughs> owner was he, this grand architect yeah. who built the house from scratch, and he is kind of I don't know he's revered, and she loved him, and the family before loved him and loved his work, so they thought we'll move in here. Mm-hmm. So they get rid of her, and one night the the Park family decide to go camping, and they ask um, I don't know the the new the the mother of the Kims to kind of keep an eye on the gaff essentially. And so all the family get in and they all kind of chill out. The dads watch, or some someone's someone's watching TV in the uh, in the bath. They're all getting pissed. They're all farting, having a laugh. And then you see that it starts raining. And I don't know why, but I just I did like I knew they were going to come back, but I didn't clock that it was because of the rain. If you know what I mean. But it must must have been mm. like a subconscious thing. No one goes fucking camping when it's raining. So they start <laughs> coming back, and eventually there's also a knock on the door. 
and you think, okay, what, who, who's this going to be? And it's, it's Moon Guang, the old housekeeper, and she says, I've just forgot something in the basement. Can I please come in? And they say, okay, cool. So they go in. And once you realize that she's like she's really struggling to get this the kind of what this bookcase out of the way so yeah. she can get downstairs and once you realize who what or who is downstairs you think oh fuck what's gonna happen now and essentially it's her husband so or i think i can't remember her husband's what is is escaping trying to escape from some build collect debt collectors and he's hiding down here and every time the park family would go out moon guang would feed her husband and keep him sheltered down here and that in itself is a metaphor for the people even lower than the people who yeah. are, you see as protagonists in the film. And um, as soon as that happens, it raises an interesting question in, okay, well, who's going to continue to be the, you know, the, the, the con artist in this, in this household? And it kind of pits the two poor families against each other. And I find that you could talk about that in, an, in, a, in itself for about an hour and a half. And we're going to hopefully not go into, but... <laughs> I just remember being like, like I I knew some spoilers going into this film, and I knew there was something, and I in my head I thought it would be people. I thought it'd be a family down there, mm. but realizing it was is it what is essentially is a family down there. Realizing what it was and seeing it all played out, it just knocked me away. Like yeah. it's so so clever, and I wonder how do we all feel about this then? The idea that. Like obviously the idea that there's a a class below the lower class in itself is like w w that's that's quite common, but I, on reflection now looking at this film, it's obviously about class and subclasses and stuff, but the fact that it pits these two against each other is kind of indicative of this idea that there is no solidarity between the lower classes at all. It's kind of like dog eat dog People to use an old phrase to, get to, to try and mm, climb mm. that to get up that extra little rung but in reality the extra rung is our menial jobs and it's nothing that w you know without being patronised it's nothing that people would start the life out with the aspirations to, to be a yeah. I don't know a housekeeper or a, a, a driver or maybe a fucking I don't know a tutor for the rest of the life and if you do that more power to you but the idea that um, it pits these two families against each other I find so interesting because mm what is Bong Joon-ho really saying here? And the fact that this is maybe probably in my, I've not watched all of his films, but the ones I have watched, this might be along with Mother, which I've heard about but not watched, maybe the most realistic of his films. Mm. And that's quite scathing, that the fact that these two families, as the emblem, as the emblem of the lower classes, almost self-cannibalize and try and one-up each other. Yeah. And they'll happily push each other down. So you, there's a great joke as well, and it, it does it once again. It's not all doom and gloom because it's so funny. It's pretty, yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. There's isn't a it? great joke that stands out to me is when Moon Guang, the old housekeeper, calls her sis, calls the other mum, the mum of the Kim family. Oh please, sis, please let me go downstairs. Mm. And she says, okay, signs. And then eventually, when Moon Guang gets the upper hand in the situation, the the mum of the the Kims is like, oh please, sis, you know what it's like. Just just give us back our phone and don't send that message to the the family. And she says. Don't call me sis, you filthy bitch. Yeah, that's fucking hell. Everyone, like the whole screen erupted in laughter, and it kind of <laughs> it kills the tension instantly, and you yeah. kind of just let. I don't know. It's like a little momentary release for two seconds, and then you're back into mm. the the furore of it all. I don't think it was that intense. The film wasn't like dead intense, though, was it? I think that's it's funny because I remember you saying this is more intense than Uncut Gems. I don't yeah. know you didn't find Uncut Gems tense anyway, but 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 I mean, okay, maybe tense isn't the right word. Maybe like dark then okay because, yeah. like i think because it is 
pretty funny. Mm-hmm. You know, and like so I think it's funny as hell. Snowpiercer yeah. for for for, uh, for comparison, like that's not as funny, and mm-hmm. maybe that's because he's Bong Joon Ho has kind of gone back to his comfort zone to go out of his comfort. You know what I mean? Like so, almost like taking one step back to take two steps forward maybe, in terms yeah. of growing as like a filmmaker and a writer by like, well, I'm just gonna go. I'm doing kind of what I know in a in a way, mm-hmm. um, because it's the the sub the subjects are not are a bit grim and like a bit like oh this is difficult in it you're making me address something that you know maybe it's a, it's almost since a the fucking general election about. I've basically ignored all yeah, shit like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like but but the but the there are even the bit about the the metaphor like that's said four or five times and it doesn't actually get old it's funnier and funnier each yeah, time I agree and. I'm glad that there's funny bits and I'm glad that even some of like the violence is like a slightly There's only one moment of violence that I was like top. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's with the metaphorical rock, is that the That's the bit as well. But it's because of the sound design. It's the sound design. And I the metaphorical rock I find quite interesting as well. So at the start of the film, um Kim Ki Woo, the the son of the Kim family, is presented by with this opportunity from his friend. And the friend also gives the family this this apparently lucky rock, and it's essentially just a piece of shit that his uncle collects, mm. but he gives them out to these people. It's meant to bring a family wealth, and it's kind of all this family want is wealth, and the idea that this this will bring you wealth when who the fuck knows what you're going to have to do with it. Like, keep it in your house, and an opportunity will come up. That in itself is quite interesting because it kind of promotes the passive, let's just sit back and wait, and something mm, might yeah. happen. And this kind of rock, kind of, I don't know, it doesn't follow them, but they bring it with them wherever yeah. they go, and it's kind of like their cherished possession. Despite the fact it's a piece of shit, really, it's also one of the it's it's also one of them things, isn't it? Where it's like um, when there is something that brings you luck, uh, or is it's like okay, this is going to bring you money. Mm-hmm. Well, more often than not, it's almost cursed in a way. Yeah, it's, be careful what you wish for. Be careful almost, what you yeah. wish for. So you can wish to be rich, but what's going to become of that money? Or you you can w- you can wish to earn money. Yeah, but what's ha- what's going to become of the situation you get in by earning that money. I agree. Um, it's funny that the rock follows them everywhere because it is almost like the rock is cursed. There's a great thing on. I I don't want to step on Empire's toes too much, but they've clearly inspired most of us. Um, on their spoiler special for Parasite, they mentioned, and I did not pick up on this on one watch, but the rock is hollow. Is the that? rock floats. Yeah. What the hell? Like rocks don't float, obviously. Yeah. But the fact when the Kims floods, because obviously they live right at the bottom of this hill and bottom of the stairs, and there are sub basements. So when it rains, and they have this joke that the poor people smell, so they leave their window open to kind of get rid of the mildew smell that is in their house because probably it's flooded before. That's quite common. Yeah. It's mon- in monsoon monsoon season, and um, during the flood of the Kims' house, the rock floats on top of the water. Oh, okay. And what like the the metaphor of the me- so metaphorical nature of um that being a symbol for wealth and that it doesn't ever float to the bottom it stays kind of on the middle ground yeah. it stays on top it's kind of and the fact that this rock is essentially fake this this it's this, bullshit yeah, it's, yeah, yeah and it also it may have like, one of those little lucky cats in japan yeah. that the, the little hand the fact it floats mm-hmm. as well is a telling a telling kind of point of why it doesn't kill oh shit i didn't even pick him. up on that I didn't realize that it was hollow. I thought yeah. it was just like a oh, like yeah, a, just a, big... a metaphor that it floated, like as just a, an aesthetic choice. But the fact that it's hollow no, is, is a fair game yeah. because Cause Kim gets whacked over the head with it at the end, and you just imagine, oh god, it's a massive yeah. rock. He dies. Well, no, 
it's hollow. So I fully so, thought he was dead, and yeah. in the end, and he isn't dead. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. It's because the rock is a little bit hollow. That's, yeah. that's real. I didn't even realize that. That's so funny, man. I know. It's, it's, it's layered. So, how, so um, okay. Do we have, right, okay. There's so much I want to talk mm. about this film. Do we have favorite moments or any, any moments in particular that we stuck? I, I love the scene where the family do come back. The Kim, no, the Parks come back. And the Kims and Moonguang and her husband are all in the house together. And some of them, I think Moonguang gets knocked down the stairs back oh to the basement, God, yeah. which is, is pretty brutal. fucking brutal. And the Kims are hiding under the. Um, That's what I was, I was going to say. They're that, hiding under yeah. the table. And but he's camping outside. He's camp, the son's camping camp outside. Yeah. And there's a beautiful all glass bay doors and like you could, it's all clear and crystal and you can see outside mm. perfectly. And then the park parents start getting getting freaky on the. That's funny because they they start getting freaky on the sofa mm-hmm. whilst they're literally feet away under the table. Under the table. Um, they kind but of like, fetishize poor, uh, yeah, poor. Yeah, well, even yeah. the way that they have the parks have se- have sex. Well, actually, it's not even sex; it's just like foreplay. But mm-hmm. the way that they do it, they are yeah, they're role playing on being poor. Like it yeah. turns them on. It's because you know they're constantly holding their noses, aren't they? They go like oh, like yeah. and and it, the moment where when the Kims are hiding in in that place and uh, sorry in the park's house and. At one moment, one of them like holds their nose and like, what's that smell? And it's like, you know, it's because they're right there. Yeah. But it's that that's kind of almost foreshadowing what happens later because it really offends the Kims the fact that the Parks like hold their nose and think they're smelly because they know that they are looked down upon. Yeah. They just don't. So they know they're looked down upon by a lot of people, but at the, at this moment in time, the Parks don't actually know that they're this poor family. Yeah. So it's like they keep holding their nose. And that is what kind of sets um, Kim off right at the end mm-hmm. to kill, uh, what's his name? Uh, to kill Park, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, Kim Keith Tyke kills Park Dong Eek at the end, doesn't he? The dad of the Parks. The dad of the Kims kills the dad of the Parks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right at the end. And it's because he's he, he's essentially... It's a big blow to his... I think he's quite a proud man, well, yeah. Kim Keith Tyke. And... and that that kind of really triggers him a bit, and I think it's because uh, Moon Guang's husband escapes and goes on this kind of murderous rampage at the end during the son's birthday party. And uh, I think at the uh, I don't know I can't remember how it plays out, but I think the keys are trapped under his back or something, and he goes to pick his keys up and he holds his nose, mm. and I think that just sets yeah. Kim Ki Tech off and it, on this, and he murders, and it is kind of this almost like shakespearean bloodbath right at the end yeah. or a tarantino bloodbath yeah, depending on where you want to yeah but yeah i like I, I love this film so much and i feel like this we're almost doing a disservice by talking about all these different elements that aren't that aren't in in chronological order but yeah it's hard because it's, it's so just hard. it's so wild yeah it's I know. there is so film. much in this film and it's interesting because he never he never set out for this film to become it's this, a phenomenon. It's a, yeah, it's a phenomenon. It's the first foreign film to ever win um, a, a best film at the Oscars. Yeah. It's the first Korean film to ever win international or picture, an Oscar, yeah, um, or an Oscar at yeah. all. Yeah, um, is it the first film as well to do Cannes and the Oscars, or is that maybe it's, maybe it's one of the few that yeah. have done Cannes and Oscars? So like, it's won something like hundred and sixty awards over this I award think it's season. Maybe more than that. Um, yeah. I mean, also at one point people were like, it, it wasn't a question. It was. Well, 1970 is gonna win best yeah. picture. Like it was, I fully it's very much it like well. on the home stretch. Yeah, there was a point where no one. There was a point where I was wondering, okay, yeah, 1917. I see why it's getting Oscar, but 
Meh. I think a bit wanky. And then it just kind of shot out the blocks, didn't it, on the on the home street? And mm. Parasite just kind of, if you think of it like a horse race, it kind of just started bolting exactly yeah. the right time it was needed. I to. think the next step would be for the actual actors to get some recognition because I don't know, I don't quite understand how you can have a film win Best Picture um, and, you know, Best Screenplay and stuff like that without any of the actors. It also won Best Ensemble Cast at the SAG Awards. So how can it win all this and not... And, and no yeah. individual performance because uh, do you have a do you have a favorite performance? Song I think he's incredible. Yeah, he's yeah. He, he's he is the best in he's the he gives the best performance in the film. I agree. Um, absolutely, and he's brilliant. I don't understand how he so he he is the the father of Kim the Kims, Kitek, who's yeah. Kim Kitek, um, and how he isn't recognized is beyond me. But you know, maybe how can you look at acting and subtitles at the same time? Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. Oh, I had a conversation with a taxi driver a couple of weeks ago oh, it's interesting i've been seeing all this stuff on twitter like um oh you're so um you're so kind of naive if you won't watch a film because of the subtitles mm -hmm. and, and stuff like this and literally i was like i haven't actually dealt with anyone that's this kind of narrow-minded as of yet and then literally a day later <laughs> I was in a taxi and he was like where have you been oh, i've been to cinema oh yeah i was i've, I've i quite like going to cinema I was like, I won't go watch that parasite though. I was like, why? It's foreign. I was like, pardon? It's foreign. I was like, so? Oh, I'm not, not reading subtitles. Oh, man. Like, Bless him. I, I, I know what an absolute dickhead. dickhead. Yeah. I just said to him, I was like, this film is incredible. Yeah, man. You can, you need to look past as. Tell you what, Bong he doesn't Jean go fucking deaf. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bong Jun Ho says the, the one inch barrier, which is. And as soon as people get over that, the, uh, the, you know, it, it, film cinema will kind of, I, I guess, become more universal mm -hmm. than it already is. Um, I think, you know, we're making good strides. I say we. <laughs> I mean, yeah. society. Oh, well, yeah, well, we're always yeah, going to watch people for the championship, don't you? I yeah. agree. Um, this is why we're championing. And let's, yeah, today, and, and let's just hope that this isn't like a... This isn't just the, the the academy going right. We'll we'll do it just this once, yeah. Um, and hopefully this paves the way for more foreign films, more uh, different films in different languages. So mm -hmm. it is it's kind of insane how just how well this film is done, and I well, think yeah. it deserves all the credit it gets. Like I think I mentioned off air, it does kind of play out like a like an old Swiss watch. If you open it inside of it, you see all the cogs turn perfectly, and everything works in unison when it's meant to at the right time mm. and there are so many little subtle details that you don't realize until things are revealed for instance the the um what's it called the morse code part where the lights kind of flicker yeah. on and off in in the park's house and you realize that it's moon guang's husband in the basement and yeah he's, he's been going to be insane isn't he well he's, he completely went insane yeah um, how do we think about? I think are we are we more or less finished here on Parasite? We're rounding up. Five minutes. Okay. How do we feel about the ending then? Because the ending, I think, is is the most like, in terms of best endings in a film, is up there for me with The Irishman with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, where something that you could, you just couldn't do better. There is one. It's not even. It's not a criticism as such. It's just, I think, the the ending. So when the second time I watched it, mm -hmm. the ending does feel a little bit rushed. Maybe it not for. I think for, I know what you mean. Forced, forced isn't the word, but rushed. Yeah, editing wise, exactly agree, because yeah. it you have what an hour and fifty of 
it's kind of this meticulously planned uh, this happens and then this happens and then this leads to this that leads to this but then the last 10 minutes it's this 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 this, this yeah. the end and it's <laughs> the thing yeah. is though for, I, I imagine for people who are listening and say if you haven't saw the film and for some reason you listen to this I don't know why it, uh, it, that might sound really stupid what you've just said but because I've watched it, I fully get what yeah, you, you know, I fully yeah. understand what you mean yeah, and yeah. Pro- you probably do too Luke. yeah I do That's, it it's not, like yeah, it, it, it definitely was not a deal breaker nor did it ruin at all because I did enjoy the ending it's just look I could happily have had an extra 10 minutes if they wanted to flesh that ending out a little bit more yeah. but at the same time I understand that they clearly only had certain you know you mm-hmm. only got so at the end essentially um, Kim Kitek has is now, uh, you know, he like Mungguang's husband. He is now being chased, but he's wanted for murder this time, the murder of the uh, the the, fa- the patriarch of the Park family. Yeah, and um, you kind of don't know where he goes, but into, it, it's revealed that he escaped back down into the basement mm-hmm. where Mungguang's husband is, and is now hiding there. And they've sold the house to new owners, and um, Kim Ki Woo, his son, kind of sits and waits and hopes that someday he'll be able to afford the house and he'll free his dad and it has that really kind of great scene where I, when I first watched it in the cinema I thought it happened I thought that he got to that yeah, part yeah, and, and yeah. kind of freedom they have this beautiful hug and you're like what? and then it's revealed that no he just kind of yeah. that's his that's his hope and his dream and it mirrors the same shot from the establishing shot where it pans back down into mm-hmm. the sub-basement where they started off yeah. and he's just kind of sitting there and yeah. he looks to the camera like and then it cuts and you're thinking yeah. like fucking hell yeah I guess to be fair Backtracking, I guess that kind of does make Pacing sense wise, for it is to a pace p- like that because it isn't real. Yeah, I guess so. It maybe, does make yeah. sense. It's just as it plays out, and you assume that this is real. I fully it does did, feel, by the way. Yeah, it does feel a little yeah, bit. Oh, this <clears throat> ending's a little bit rushed. And I what what as criticisms go though, you know, it's, I'm nitpicking. Yeah, it's not exactly. I mean. Um, and I think not to be too it's so metaphorical, but the fact that even you think it's real kind of sums up where how we view this social construct that we live in mm. that you you think you can do it but can he fuck there's no mm. fucking way you'll be able to afford a house like that making pizza boxes no no way and that is like a real gut punch because by the time if he were to afford it he frees his dad his dad's either going to be dead or insane like yeah mm. mongling's husband and that is just like perfect perfect film 100 popcorns first 100 popcorns i'm going to give really yeah you wow. could, I, you could honestly, po- oh yeah, book smart. <laughs> well, look, it's a sick film, man. I've never given a hundred pop. I genuinely, maybe, right, maybe ninety nine. No, I'm not going to give ninety nine if I'm honest. Like, I didn't even give Endgame a hundred popcorns, and that's my fucking, that's my baby, it's my boy. Oh, Connor's going to have a fucking aneurysm. I'm not. I'm honestly, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not because Endgame's is a fucking sick movie. But I'm going eighty two. It's so good. Yeah. yeah, and I really, I enjoyed it more than eighty two. I think book has only seen it once, and it was a while ago. And yeah. I, I'd love to have like just seen it again. And because mm. when we came out, we were just like. Well, when when the film ended before the Q and A, which I left for, uh-huh. we were just like, "Well, that was fucking excellent, wasn't yeah. it?" Yeah. And I remember saying that was fucking excellent, but it's almost worn off slightly. It's and been, I'd it's love been a couple to just, I'd love yeah. to almost like rejig that in my mind. I'm so. really annoyed at myself that I what I saw it months ago. Yeah. Because don't get me wrong, the I, I was so super excited to see it again. And in fact, I'd forgotten. i forgotten quite a lot of it, but I'm really annoyed that I watched it. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. I'm so disappointed in myself for watching it, <laughs> but it was amazing. I, I'm going to go off the second time I watched it because that- It's the real, my, it's the real it's, experience. That's yeah. the real experience in cinema. And 
on yeah, I ninety five popcorns. Um masterpiece in my book. It's incredible. Yeah. It is absolutely incredible. To be honest, I think the only one that I've given higher than that is Spirited Away. Um You have. That's true. And ninety seven, yeah, I think. Spirited yeah. Away was I, I also a film, masterpiece. But, yeah. Um yeah, ninety five popcorns for Parasite. Um and you gave it a hundred, Connor? I'm gonna give it ninety nine. A hundred's too much. Ninety nine popcorns. Slight room to improve next, somewhere. Uh, you be. know, the next Scorsese film I'll give a hundred five. Okay, and well. Luke you were eighty two. Yeah. Ah, yeah. so that you know. Yeah. yeah. Solid. Solid movie. Go yeah. watch it. If we, I even though we've probably spoiled the shit out of it before you've Go and watch it. Yeah, it's 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 still opening more and more. It's still opening in more and more cinemas. The fact that it's playing in Ireland, where I'm from, is mad because I've never in my life saw a foreign film in the cinema in, mm-hmm. in Ireland. And it's a good thing. A couple of my it? mates put in the group chat the other day saying Parasite's amazing, so they must have went. To, I'm so happy for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, next week. Yeah, next week's a weird one. So we, we've we've been trying to shoehorn Mad Max Fury Road into the podcast, but we've decided let's just push it back a little bit further. Yeah, one week. Yeah. And we're gonna do Second Take Film Club. And I think the best film we could do for this, probably, which is the film we're, we're all gonna, we've all watched, and we all just want to talk about and wax lyrical about, is E.T. Phone yeah. Home. E.T. Phone, phone home. home. And this is weird because this is one of, like, obviously, it's one of the greatest films ever, and mm. you can't ever doubt Steven Spielberg. But I haven't watched this in about. 10, 15 years, and I'm terrified to watch it again. Because I only watched it for the first time two years ago, and I, really? I didn't pay attention to it properly. So oh, wow. I grew up so on this it, is and gonna it used be to make like, me cry my eyes never out. never interested me. It used to freak me out. Yeah, I get it. I That's get it. Fair, yeah. But I'm so excited. This is going to be sick. And the fact that we have so much, we're going to dedicate so much time to just talk about one film and mm. this great movie yeah. is awesome. We should try and do it maybe once every it's month or weeks. something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something yeah like there's one. a couple of films I'd like to put forward, but maybe they're not as... I know, Connor's dying to do Train Spotting and The Godfather. And I, I need, like, I need. Mm, I think The Godfather's there's, there's the best. There's several films that we could do. Yeah, that's what's quite exciting. Isn't about. it exciting? Because mm. so we just op- we've essentially just today have essentially opened a new chapter to First Take, <laughs> yeah. where it's going to yeah, be Second Take, the Second, second take Chapter spin-off in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be yeah. fair, I mean, we could call it. We could let, let's let's rain check. We'll think of something else because Luke, it's definitely not your Second Take. It's no. your. I thought I was thinking about this in the shower today, and I was like, I've definitely watched it more. Yeah, than but I feel like Second Take opens up the door to all takes. Yeah. Like a, I can't call takes. it Fourteenth Take Film Club. No. Yeah. yeah. Or. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Any other news? Um. Uh, no. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's my birthday in two and a half months. <laughs> Good stuff. That's yeah. all I got for you. It's yeah, my yeah. birthday in two and a half months, too. Yeah, same. It's a bit longer for me, but okay. July 13th. Well... I don't know why I gave you the date. <laughs> I'm going to go try and buy Trainspotting on Blu-ray today, I think. Oh, okay. That's my plan. I've got to go to work in a little while. Um, oh. I need to go back, um, have some tea, and then drive to work. Oh, man. I work now in a cinema, so... That's cool, you know. though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, if, uh, you know... Shift permitting, if I finish at the right time, I might check out Parasite tonight. Because I get free tickets now whenever Honestly, I want. Honestly, I think tomorrow might be a cinema day for me. Mm. We're going to go watch Birds of Prey tomorrow, aren't we? Yeah. Is there someone else you want to watch at all? I might go watch Parasite again. Or I might also go watch Gentleman. Because I mean, I just want to watch that movie. Yeah. Like The Gentleman. Um, it's shit. Yeah, <laughs> so I've heard. But just go uh, and watch Snatch. I watched Snatch yeah. a couple of weeks ago and it's yeah, so it's a good. good. Show. Um, right, we wrap yeah, yeah, on okay, yeah, that yeah. note, <laughs> let's leave it right there. So we've had an absolute blast covering two of Director Bong's hit films. Well, one semi-hit, one fucking ginormous yeah, monumental true. hit in Parasite. Um, so we'll be back next week with... E.T. E.T. Phone Home. Phone Home. Not the, yeah, not the Katy Perry song. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were singing that earlier. Well, I was singing uh, yeah. that earlier anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to that second take film club. Mm-hmm. Um, so follow us on Instagram and Twitter at First Take Pod. And go to our website at... Oh, f- fuck, I still not fixed that. <laughs> oh, go, go to our website oh, yeah. at First, 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 first take. take Film Club. Sorry. Because apparently we've only just realised that Connor, the absolute idiot, misspelled the, the word first when he was typing out the name of our website. No wonder what? we don't get many Six, hits seven, on that. Seven months ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe longer. I yeah. have been wondering for a while, whenever I Google search firsttakefilmclub.com, it never comes up. It's always up. the podcast, never the website. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Well, that, like, well, it, be honest, it, it, that is yeah. definitely why. <laughs> um, so, yeah, hopefully by the end of tomorrow, it will be rectified so you can find us. You will be able to find us at okay. firsttakefilmclub.com. Mm-hmm. Com or code.uk. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fix it in post. Too. Con- yeah, Connor will, <laughs> Connor will surely sort it, I'm sure. Right. Um, only, to, only to say now, Connor, thanks for the donuts. Oh, Luke, you're very oh, welcome. Yeah, thanks Thank for you donuts. for your time. Yeah. Boys, good one. See you, See you in a bit. Bye.